Well, good evening, Rez. It is good to be with you. I, uh, I was out in my yard working the other day, and this car pulled up, and this lady stepped out of the car. And I'd, I'd never seen her before. I, have no, I still don't know who she was. You might be here tonight if you are. Come up and say hi. I, I just don't know who it was. It was somebody who came into my driveway. And she got out of the car, and she just looked at me. She looked a little bewildered. She was looking at me kind of stunned, had kind of a stunned look. And she said, you look like Dan Seaborn. And I said, well, that, that makes sense. I am. And she said, but that doesn't make sense. My parents just called me and told me you just died. That's what she said. She said, you, didn't you just die? I went, well, I think I'm here. I'm not dead. And I just want to say to you, Rez, I haven't seen you in a while, but I'm not dead. I'm here, baby. It's good to preach and good to be able to be here with you. Josh, thank you for inviting me and allowing me to be a part of the Wednesday night. I encourage you to come in these next few weeks as you dive into worship and you continue to grow in your relationship with Christ. This is the crowd that goes deeper, the Wednesday night crowd. You're committed. I thank you for coming out on a beautiful night. And I have a message for you uh, that I believe is simple but I believe will be really, really encouraging and really helpful. And I want to start it by this. You won't be able to see this. We don't have iMeg, in other words, the magnification and all that stuff. But you'll get my point. If you take a, a, a little glass of water or whatever like this, and you start filling it up, you can do this at home if you want to. When you get right to the top, when you get right to the top, if you take your time, if you take your time, really go slow. Go home tonight and practice this. If you take your time, you can actually go above the top of the glass. Water will go just about, if it go too much, it's going to spill out. But if you're filling up a glass like I am right now, I've got the total top. It's over the top. It, it's literally over the top. It's all the way full and over the top. There's a word for that. The word is perusian. Just remember that. The word is perusian. You've never heard that word probably. We don't talk about it. You don't say to somebody, hey, fill my class. Why don't you perusian me? We don't say that. But it's a real word, and it's a word that one of your favorite authors, in fact, he wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books, Paul. Paul loved the word Perusian, it means abundance, it means overflow, it means to the top, it means over the brim, it means cooking, it's good. And Paul liked that word. I want to show you where he used it. My favorite verse in scripture is Philippians 4.13. Well, Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have, ready, Perusian. That's the word. It's a Greek word. When Paul said plenty, he was saying, I know what it is to be all the way to the top of the glass and that little edge of water that fills it to the very top, I know what that is. He used it there. And if you keep going in that verse, he says, I've learned the secret of being content and in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Continue on, if you will, for me. I think it goes on. Whether living in plenty, uses it again, are in want. So I've come tonight to ask you this question. Just, just be honest with yourself. And don't just say it because you go, I don't know what he wants me to say. No, it has nothing to do with me. Do you tonight feel like your life is right there? 
Like if you looked at your life tonight, would you say when you walked in the door, I am just plenty, baby. I am over the top. I am doing awesome. Or, or, would you say, like the verse said, I know what it is to be in need. Paul contrasted these two. He said, you can have Perusian, or you can be in need. The best way I can illustrate this, my daughter Anna's here, and her car leaks oil. Anna's car leaks oil. It leaks a lot of oil. So much oil, I don't want her to park in the driveway. <laughs> and her car, when it leaks oil, it goes down, and she's got a sensor in her car that when it gets to exactly a quart low, it will let you know it's a quart low. It'll beep, a light will come on, it'll say, quart low, need oil, need oil. It'll just tell her she needs to put a quart of oil in it. So tonight, if you were real honest with yourself, you don't answer me, you're answering the Lord, but just answer the question, are you beeping? Are you a quart low? Paul said, I have learned whether I, whether I am Perusian or beeping, he said, I have learned in either place, I can be, you ready, content. Now, it's easy to be content when you're here. In fact, this looks like contentment to us. Fill me up, take me to the brim, that is contentment. And Paul said, no, no, no. No, even when you're beeping and you're a quart low, you can be content. I got to thinking about Paul's life. Do you ever think there were times that Paul sat around and thought to himself, I can't believe there was a time in my life where I actually sought out and killed Christians. Like on his discouraged days, on the days when he was beeping, you say, Paul didn't feel that. Oh, yeah, he did. He was a human being. In normal days, just like us. We don't always have Perusian days, but thank God we don't always have beeping days. But Paul had both. He said, I've lived through both of them. I get both of them, and I've learned to be content. Our problem is when we hear content, we think happy. He's learned to be really happy with her. That's not what it means. What it means is I am peaceful with where God has me right now. So tonight, I've come to say to a few of you who feel like you are in the beeping spot, I've come to say to you tonight, God has you there for a reason, and it's a beautiful thing. Embrace it. Don't look at it and go, oh, what am I doing wrong? If there's a reason that's put you in that spot, you need to make some adjustments and change. If you have sin in your life that's causing you to get here, absolutely, you need to address that and adjust it. But some of you are here because life is life. Some of you are here because circumstances happen around you you don't have a lot of control over. And it can send you to the beeping zone. You want to be back here, but you're beeping. So tonight, I'm going to be real honest with you and tell you that if you looked at my life tonight, I got, I got to just be honest and tell you that I am here tonight. I am at a place in my life right now where I am feeling filled up, I am feeling plenteous, I am feeling overflow. But if you take me back, some of the last times I've preached here, and you guys go back especially three or four years, I wasn't beeping. I mean, I was beeping. 
I was up here. I was preaching the Word of God. I will always be steady, I pray, and preaching the Word of God, whether I'm beeping or plenteous, because God will take us through different things in life that allow us to understand we can trust Him completely if we're beeping or if we're full. And some of you tonight are at a place where you're beeping, and I want to talk to you about some what I would call steps to abundance. And these are some of the things that God has shown me, and I'm going to be very transparent, very honest tonight as I talk about myself and how I moved from a place of beeping, a place of uncertainty, a place of uh, hurt, if you will, or hurt and pain, just life stuff, to be able to still say, through that, God has brought me here, and I'm, I am good in both places. And here are what I'm going to call the steps to abundance. They're going to come up on the screen. They're very simple. You can go and apply this. Literally, you can start working to apply this tonight. The first thing I want to tell you when it comes to moving from the beeping stone, the beeping zone, if you will, to this Perusian life, this abundant life, the first step is this. I want you to make sure you find your value and your purpose in who and what God called you to be. Now, let me, I, I know putting it up there, it sounds like a little Christian phrase. Just, just listen to me carefully. Read it with me. In fact, let's read it together. Number one, starting with fine. Let's do it. Find your value and purpose and who and what God called you to be. When I started preaching, I was around 30 years old. And I'd never preached before. My background is finance. I was an accountant. Believe it or not, I was an accountant at a hospital. And I remember when I told my wife, honey, I think I'm supposed to be a preacher. She literally said to me, you can't speak. And I was like, I know. <laughs> but I started speaking. I got the first little thing. I, I spoke and I enjoyed it and it seemed to connect. And all of a sudden, I, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I felt a calling from God to become a preacher. I felt a very sure and you're supposed to do that. I, it happened to me. I was in a setting like this. A dude was up preaching. I was in the back and I felt very clear the Lord say to me, Go do that for me. And I was like, go do what? I want you to speak for me. I'm like, I can't. My wife even confirms, I can't. <laughs> but I felt the Lord saying, you must. I prayed about it. I accepted his call, which I believe was his purpose. From I believe, standing here today, I'm 58, standing here today, I am on this earth, I believe, to be a spokesperson for the Lord God Almighty. I believe that's why he put the I was 28 when I found that out. And at 28, I started doing it for him. And all of a sudden, without me even realizing it, I didn't set out to do what I'm about to tell you. But I started listening to men and women and what they were saying to me. Boy, you're a really good speaker. And I'd be like, well, thank you. And you've you got to look humble, so you're like, well, thanks. But inside, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm a good speaker. And they was, you know where you should speak? And I started thinking, yeah, I should speak there. And all of a sudden, I went from being called of God to do it to trying to make people happy. I would speak, and I was way more concerned about them saying to me, good job, than I was saying, God, were you pleased with what I did? 
And I'll tell you what happened to me during the course of that time. All of a sudden, men's applause became more important to me than God's purpose for me. And I got it out of whack. And I saw that I was getting it out of whack. And I didn't know how to stop it. And I got to tell you tonight that I appreciate it if y'all come up afterwards and say good job speaking. I, I really do appreciate it. But I do not care anymore if men or women applaud what I do. I am here tonight to try to share something with you to help you grow in your relationship with God. I am an old man, and I am an older man, and I am trying to set my sights on finishing the race, running it well, and I want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ the rest of my life, and I want to let people know if you will go and you'll find your purpose in Him, if you're here in your 20, I don't know my purpose yet, keep praying, keep letting God focus you, because when you find that value, when you find that purpose, listen, in God and in God alone, you will move from this beep beeping low on a quart of oil to realizing I'm fine I'm good my life is good I am blessed by God I do not have a perfect life but I've got an overflowing life because I know why I'm on this earth and I'm going to try to kick it for God the rest of my life as long as he'll let me speak I'm going to try to knock it out of the park for him not for you, for him. Tonight, if somebody leaves here and you find your value and your purpose in the Lord, because some of you aren't. Some of you are finding your value in a relationship. And what's it doing to you? It's taking you down. Because relationships go up and down. Some of you are finding your value in something you own or in running the company or in a position you're after. And you're, well, if I could just get to that VP, if I could just get to that manager spot, if I could get there, I'll be fulfilled. And I will say to you, not unless that's what God has called you to do. Man's words and man's goals will not fulfill you. I've had the privilege in my life... Um, of speaking now as I look back at some crazy places. Crazy places. And I got to tell you, not one of those kind of things. I'm like, man, if I could just speak there. And then I would speak there and go, hmm, that wasn't as great as I thought it'd be. Because you're trying to find your value in getting to some particular stage. And listen, if the Lord God Almighty decides he wants to use me the rest of my life to preach on a street corner to three people, if that's God's purpose for me, I will be fulfilled because that's his calling for me. And tonight, I want you to stop putting so much pressure on yourself that if you could just, if I, if I, if I, instead of living today and saying, God, help me honor you in this day with what you have given me right now. I'm not thinking about my next speaking engagement tonight. I'm thinking about coming here and honoring you. I prayed all the way here. I left my house early. My daughter drove over a separate car because I said I want to go spend some time with God as I drive over there because I want to honor his name tonight. And I want some people who are in there who are finding their life goal and life purpose and what people are saying to them or what they're telling them they ought to do. Listen to me. Don't try to fulfill people. Try to honor and please almighty God. Let your life be called according to his purpose if you do that your life will be fulfilled I'm just telling you it's the way it works Paul found that out because the first part of his life he was trying to make people happy by killing Christians and here he is writing to us in a jail cell 
and he seems pretty peaceful. Tonight, I want you to know your value is found in God. Listen to me. He made you. He created you. You, right now, sitting in that pew, listen, you don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do a backflip. God has a purpose for you right now, and he's whispering into your ear, I got you, and I want to use you. Let me. It will be fulfilling. And then after, for me, I told you I was just being honest tonight. After, after trying to find my value and speaking at all these places, and that was falling short, I thought, you know what, my, va- my value will be found through my children. That's it. I got four kids. If I love my wife well, and I treat my kids good, and, and they're happy, and they love me, and everything's going good, that will ha- How many of y'all know somebody that finds their value in their children? Let me tell you what happens with that. At some point, that won't work. Because you see, listen, my children, I told them this on Father's Day. I told my children this on Father's Day. I said, guys, listen, for too many years, I've found my value in what you're doing and all that. kind. I've, I've tried to find some of my identity in that. And I've decided I am called to be a preacher for the Lord God Almighty first and foremost. And I said to all my children on Father's Day, I said to them, guys, I love you all. I would die for you. I'll do anything for you. I serve you. I'm here. I'm your dad. I want to rock it out and be an awesome dad for you. But I want you to know I'm going to fulfill my calling to be a preacher for God above all these other things. That will be first in my life. I hope you'll join me and watch me and cheer for me on this journey. And I want you to go fulfill your life purposes because each of you have one. I'll do mine, you do yours, and we all will be better off. I won't try to live my life through you because a lot of parents do. A lot of parents try to decide where their kids should work. A lot of parents try to decide what their kids should do. And all that is is destroying the very purpose that I believe God will put into each of our kids' lives. And I want you to get tonight the concept that when this life is over, you will stand before God Almighty and you will be accountable. You ready? For you. He won't say, okay, your children. Mm Mm-mm. You, then your children will give their accountability. So what I want to make sure you're doing tonight is fulfilling your purpose and finding your value in the Lord God Almighty. If you do that, you will find peace and you will find plenty fulfillment. And I'll tell you this too. You're going to laugh about this one. The other thing I always thought, if I could just get one, Boy, that would make me really feel fulfilled. There was this one thing I always wanted because when I was a kid, I loved basketball, and then I grew up, and then, and then Michael Jordan was my hero, and I always I thought to myself, if I could just get me a Michael Jordan rookie card. <laughs> you may think that's silly, but I got to tell you, for 25 years of my life, 30 years of my life, I was just trying to get one of these. And I thought, when I get that thing and I hold it in my hand, then I will be fulfilled. <laughs> I've got one tonight. It, it didn't fulfill me. I like it. Don't come up and try to steal it. I'll knock you back. <laughs> but I really like this card. But now that I have it, y'all, y'all ever had that? You ever had something you're chasing and when you got it, you went, oh, this is good, but why am I still beeping? Because this stuff doesn't fulfill. 
And this might just be a Michael Jordan rookie, but I guess I'm asking the question, what are you trying to get in your hand tonight? What's the thing that you tell yourself, if I could just get that? And I'll go ahead and tell you, because I chased this for 30 years. When I got it, I love it, and it's in a box in my basement. Because it doesn't fulfill me. I don't li- I lie at night when I lay in my bed, I don't lay it on my pillow and go, ah. It's in the basement. I don't even look at it. Because I got it. I've had it now for a few years. It's just kind of old hat. Because it's not fulfilling. And I want you to get that the things of this world. Watch this. The things of this world, the circumstances you go through with your children, with your own life. Maybe some of you today are dealing with a job issue. Circumstances, here it is. It's going to come up on the screen. Circumstances might refine you, but don't let them define you. Life circumstances will refine you. The things I've been through have refined me, but they better not define me. In other words, My children should not define me. Whatever they're going through should not define who I am. My work and that kind of stuff and and losing a job and that stuff, it might refine me, but it cannot define who I am. Who I am is God's kid. Who I am is called according to his purpose. Who you are has been settled from the beginning. God said, I made you and I got a plan for you. Don't let this world beat that out of you because I know the plan I have for you. And tonight... I want you to get that if you find your value and purpose in the Lord, you're going to be fine. And let me say this. The day that I die, if any of you probably won't be there, probably that lady that stopped in my driveway might come to my funeral if she found out I died twice. But I'm just saying that at my funeral, listen, at my funeral, let me tell you, let me tell you. I don't care. Probably both my boys, they're both preachers. I'm guessing they'll do my funeral. I doubt they mention this. I hope they say this phrase, our dad, we're proud to say that our dad knew what his purpose was on this earth, and he fulfilled it. That's good. I don't care about anything else that day. So for you today, get that in order now. And when you get that in order, you will take a step toward having an abundant life. A second thing, a second thing that I believe is a step toward abundance. The creator of the universe wants time with you. Give it to him. The creator of the world and the universe says to you, I want time with you. Give it to him. Spend time with Almighty God. Watch this. Watch this. When I say that, the average person thinks, I go to church. I read my Bible. You know what I would say? In fact, for most of us, we have almost become box checkers when it comes to this. Hey, Dan, did you read your Bible today? Check. Did you pray some? Check. Did you go to church Sunday? Check. Did you tithe? Check. We're box checkers. And God is saying, I want way beyond the boxes. I want you. I want you to come hang out with me. I want you to talk to me. The other day, I'm 
this happened for me, okay? I'm, I, I like you. I do my devotions and all that stuff. But something really dawned on me. I was riding my motorcycle up toward Grand Haven. I'm on 31, going from Highland to Grand Haven on my motorcycle. I'm just dilly-dallying along. And I don't know why this song came to my mind. I was singing several songs, but uh, I, I like all kind of music, as I've said here before. But the song, Blessed Assurance, and the version, Randy Travis version, came in my head. So I started singing, Blessed Assurance, Randy Travis style, which means you got to drag out the end, all, all the words really long. Like, Blessed Assurance. I mean, he always drags the words out. And I'm singing this, and all of a sudden, I got my hand on this, and I got my hand. I'm raising my hand. I got people going by waving. They think I'm waving at them. I'm like, no, I'm singing Blessed Assurance. I'm good. I'm good. And I'm singing, riding up the road, singing Blessed Assurance to the top of my lungs, and all of a sudden, it dawned on me, my goodness. I'm riding up the road, spending time with the God who made all this stuff I'm looking at. This is awesome. And here's what hit me. It's a little phrase coming up on the screen. Watch this. God doesn't limit when we can spend time with him, but we, we limit when he can spend time with us. We put him in a box and we say, God, now I'm going to open my Bible. Now you can talk to me here. And God, over here, I'm going to go to church. You can talk to me here. And God, you can talk to me here. But this rest of the time, my free time, I'm going to do my thing. And God says, that's what I, that's what I want you to let me hang out with you. I want to be with you all the time when you leave and hit the exit. Like we're out in your car tonight. I want to be with you. I want your time. Because he loves you. And I'm inviting you to give him all your time. And then check yourself and go, do I invite him in every situation, every circumstance? Is he with me all the time? I, I got checked in this the other day. I went somewhere, and I was in a situation. My wife was there with me, and, and this person treated me really ho horribly, just treated me really bad, and I reacted back really bad. I didn't react with a Jesus-loving. I, I go back, and I go, oh, I missed it, because you know what? I wasn't thinking about Jesus being with me right there. I was like, God, you're over there. I'll get with you in a minute. Right now, i got to take care of something by myself. And that's what we do. We say, God, I'll, I'll let you have time with me when I'm ready, but right now I'm on my own. Some of you could use God in your marriage a little more. Amen. Some of you could use God when you're dealing with your children around the house a little more. And I'm saying to you tonight, since God wants time with you, consider giving it to him. And then the third step for me is pretty easy. is simply saying, I'm going to trust him completely. I, when I wrote that down, I was like, my goodness, that looks like something a preacher would write now. That's what, what preachers are supposed to say. Trust him completely. That's why I'm supposed to say that. But tonight I'm really inviting you to look at your life. And if you're beeping right now, what if you fully said, God, I'm going to trust that I need to be content where you have me in this beeping spot because you're wanting to show me something and take me really deep with you. And though I don't like my circumstance, I will be content and be at peace in it. So when I was looking at all that, this story that I'm about to share, you may have heard me say, if you've heard me say it 
before, uh, listen again because it's worth hearing. When I was in college, uh, my master's degree to be a pastor, so I left the accounting field and I went into ministry and I went two more years to, into ministry study. And during that time, I served as a chaplain at a VA hospital, a VA hospital in Marion, Indiana. And it was tough stuff when you hear VA you know what the veterans have been through and there were certain buildings we would get assigned to a building we would show up as chaplains that was part of our degree part of our work was we had to go through the chaplaincy program six months at the VA hospital and so I'd show up at the chaplain's office and they would say Dan today you're assigned to building number eight thank you sir appreciate that that meant I took my assignment papers I went to building number eight and I went to every room in building number eight, and I visited the men and women who were there who were VA hospital patients, and I prayed with them. But there was one building that, you know, you didn't want to be assigned, and it was like building 10. That was all the guys who were dealing with psychological things. It was very scary. You had an armed guard walking with you through it. I, it's scary. Still scares me thinking about going there right now. And then there was another building, Building 6. I liked Building 6. Building 6 seemed more peaceful. But I didn't know how much Building 6 would change my life. I was 30 years old, 28 years old. Like I say, I went back into ministry at 28. I went into ministry at 28. And when I would get assigned Building number 6, I'm like, okay, that's great. And so I went in Building number 6 my first day there. I went down the halls. This was a two-story building. I went down the hall, the first whole floor. I met everybody, the nurses, everybody. I'm Dan Seaborn. I'm a chaplain here for six months. Nice to meet you. Of course, they had these college chaplains coming through all the time. So we were kind of annoying to them. They'd get to know us, and then we'd leave. You know, I, I get that. And on the second floor, in the very corner... There was a room, and I started walking around that hall, and I'm greeting people, saying hi to the nurses. And as I'm about to walk into the corner room on the, on the second floor of building number six, this nurse stopped me. Hey, Dan? I said, yes. She said, you're new here, right? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm new chaplain. I'm going to be here for six months. She said, well, let me tell you, uh, you're going into the room of a guy who um, he was hurt in the, in the war, and he's paralyzed, and he's paralyzed from here down. He can't move anything but his neck. And she said, I just want, want to give you a heads up before you walk in the room because it's, it's not an easy room to go into. And I said, okay. So I walked in the room, and sure enough, there was this gentleman laying in his bed. And he, um, he moved his head like this toward the door when I walked in. That's all he could move. And he went, hello? And I said, hello? He said, come in. And I did, and I went in, and, and I, I said, my name's Dan. And he said, my name's John. I said, well, it's nice to meet you, John. And I got to tell you, for six months, I became dear friends with John Berg. John was about the sweetest man you could ever know. All he could move was his head. I would pray I would get assigned building six so I could go see John Berg so John began to care about me he was probably my age now he's probably 65 I'm, I'm 58 but he was probably 60 65 and I began to know him I found out his family never visited him 
He was from another state, and it was too far for them. He had been put in this building because of special needs he had, again, because he was paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, he had special needs. And I can tell you just about every... I got, I got to say, I fell in love with John Berg. I loved that man. He would talk to me about my family. He would ask me what I was called to do. He knew I was going to be a preacher. I'm just remembering my time. One day I walked into building six, halfway maybe through my stint there as a chaplain, and the nurse caught me and said, Dan, Dan, Dan. I said, yeah. She said, hey, hang on a second. I said, what is it? She said, before you go in and see John today, um, I just want to prepare you what you're going to see. Last night, uh, one of the other patients, we, we, did, we weren't aware of it, but one of the other patients slipped into his room and closed the door and just beat John with a stick, just beat him up really bad. And he said his, his whole body is just beat up. His face is all bashed in. And she said, it's not, it's not good. And I walked through the door. I'm like, John, John, are you okay? And he did his normal, come on in. I said, John, I, I'm so sorry. I heard everything that happened to you last night, man. I, it was so sad. And I'm like, John, I'm so sorry. No, lo no lie. No lie. He said to me, well, Dan, from my neck down, I didn't feel a thing. That's what he said to me. I'm like, John. He goes, well, I didn't feel a thing. I watched him with a stick, and it didn't even hurt. I'm like, you're crazy, John. But he made me laugh. Even that day, we laughed together after him getting beat up. I've been talking tonight about finding your purpose. How do you find your purpose when you're laying in a hospital bed and all you can move is your neck? And you know you'll never leave that room. How do you find your purpose? How do you feel fulfilled? How do you feel Perusian? I would talk to him about, John, your life. I'm good. Always. I'm good, Dan. I'm good. God has a place for me. I'm like, but John... God's good. He never was down. My last day there, I dreaded it. I walked into his room. I held him. I prayed with him. I kissed him right on the forehead. I haven't told this story in so long. It's really sentimental for me. I hugged him. I was leaving his room. I was leaving his room, and he yelled, Dan, come back. I said, okay. I quickly came back to his side, my last time to ever see him. I said, John, what is it? And he said, you need to do something. I said, what's that? He said, go to my dresser there. And I walked over to his dresser. He said, open the top drawer. I pulled the top drawer out, and he said, Get that out. I reached down in and I grabbed this little puppy dog and I picked it up and I said, John, what's this? And he said, um, well, Dan, you know, I can't move anything but my neck. But the other day I had the nurse sit me up and I asked her to put a paintbrush between my teeth and I painted that for you. He said, it's a little sun catcher. I'm, I'm just asking you to do me a favor. Dan, you're going to go preach the gospel. I'll never leave this room. Will you take me with you? 
He said, will you sit that in the window wherever your office is and when you look over at it, will you remember there's a guy named John that's praying for you. I'm on your side. When you preach, let me preach with you. I said, heck yeah, man, I'll take it. This thing sits in my office and every now and then on my beeping day, on my beeping day, I'll look at it and go, I'm fine. I'm fine. John went on to be the Lord. He passed on. But he left me a little reminder that no matter where you are, even if you can't move from your neck down, you can live a Perusian life. And today, I guess I'm standing up here with the little paintbrush he would have used in my teeth trying to paint on you tonight to say, don't you dare find your value in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ because when you do, you will make a mark for him and you will be a difference maker and in doing that, you will be fulfilled, overflowing. My cup overflows, the 23rd Psalm says. Bow your heads for a moment, if you will. Is there anyone here tonight who would say, Dan, I've been beeping, man. And it's because this world got me or circumstances beat me up. And you're reminded tonight that God created you and he finds value in you. If you're here and you say, Dan, pray for me tonight. Maybe someone for the first time will ask Jesus to come and fill their cup of their life up. Josh will come up in a moment and pray for those of you who would stand for that. But I'm inviting anyone who would want to tonight who would say, I'm reminded and I need to get that focus back that I need to find my value and the purpose God called me for on this earth. Nothing else. If you would like to be included in that prayer that I pray in just a moment, will you stand to your feet? I pause for a moment. Will you stand? If you need to recognize that your purpose is found in God and God alone. And Lord, we stand together. I pray that you would use our lives. Call us back to the surety and the certainty of being what you called us to be. Let us be faithful. Tonight, surround all of us, and especially those of us right now who are standing, with the reminder that you've got us. Fill that quart of oil up, if you will, tonight. And let us continue to accept what you have for us as we seek to be overflowing for you. We love you. We thank you for helping us find our value and our purpose in you.